he's endeared to Hawkeye fans because of his winning ways, and he's endeared to Hawkeye fans because of much, much more than that, and that cements, you know, your legacy as a basically a living legend. And you're not even done competing yet, maybe. Um, and am I overstating that? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. head coach of the Iowa wrestling team talking about Spencer Lee talked to Tom earlier this week about Spencer's decision to forego the rest of the season and what options he will be turning to at 125 pounds moving forward through the rest of the season I've got that full interview with him later on today's show so stick around and uh, you'll hear the rest of it uh, here momentarily with that hey what's up hello everybody welcome to in the room a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register I'm Cody Goodwin the Register's wrestling writer and I am glad you are here let's start off with this. This show's number 125, um, which I think is pretty awesome. Whether you've been with us from the very start or if this is your first episode tuning in, I do appreciate you giving us a spin here on In the Room. I've had fun doing this podcast for the last few seasons. We plan to have a little bit more fun here through the rest of this season and beyond. Today's show, though, fun one and a full one. Caught up with uh, Earl Smith, the lead editor and writer at Intermat. He and I jumped on a Zoom earlier today, Thursday, January 6th, to discuss all three Iowa's Division One programs, Iowa, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa. Had a fun conversation just kind of looking back at the first half of their seasons, kind of what we picked up on from them over the first few months, and then we also talked about um, kind of what to expect from each of them moving forward. Um, just kind of thought up of a handful of questions on the fly to ask each other. We just kind of volleyed back and forth talking about the Hawkeyes, Cyclones, and Panthers. After that, I have that interview with Tom Brands from earlier this week. He uh, had his media availability, and uh, he talked about Spencer, the situation at 125, obviously, but then also Brennan Swafford and and, uh, the ongoing COVID-19 issues um, that other programs around the country are facing, have faced. Um, Swafford listed on the Probables this week at 174 pounds, also um, had his red shirt removed at the Southern Scuffle. Um, So touched on that a little bit. Um, And then also, um, I know that there was some issues, um, I know most notably with Arizona State. I know that they were supposed to wrestle Michigan on Monday. That duel was supposed to be on flow. Instead, they shortened it to kind of a four-match thing. Um, And then the Sun Devils were also supposed to host Iowa State in Tempe this Sunday. Um, But because of those ongoing COVID-19 issues, Cyclones will not be making the trip. They're looking for a replacement. Not sure if they're going to be able to find one, Um, but we'll see. It is Thursday. Um, I make mention of this Uh, when we talk with Earl, but uh, Iowa State hosting Northwest Kansas Technical Community College tonight at Hilton Coliseum on a Thursday night. Um, So if you guys are listening to this, we do not really touch on that a ton, um, but check your boy's Twitter account. We'll be sure to uh, update you guys on those results as they come in later this evening. Like I said, very full show today. I think and hope you guys will enjoy it. Again, we're going to start with the conversation between Earl and I, then we'll end with Tom's press conference. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy Enjoy. Talk to you here shortly. And as promised here, we're with uh, Intermat's Earl Smith um, to kind of have a discussion about Iowa's three Division One teams as we enter the second half of the season. Um, they're all in action 
kinda this weekend. We're recording this on a Thursday before Iowa State Russell's Northwest Kansas Tech Community College, um, who I found out the hard way is actually they're, they're pretty pretty good team, right? They have they have some dudes every year. Um, they were supposed to wrestle Arizona State, but there's some COVID nineteen issues there. Iowa has a Friday Sunday home doubleheader. Uh, Minnesota Friday, Purdue on Sunday. Both of those, I believe, are on Big Ten Network. And the Northern Iowa's headed to Brookings to wrestle both Wyoming and South Dakota State. Those are both on Sunday at 11 and 2. Um, Earl, how are we doing, man? We're halfway through the, the college season. I feel like every season just flies by, especially if you're, you know, we always say it's long from the competitors who are cutting weight and you're doing it over the holidays. But when you're just a fan or you're covering it, uh, the season flies by. So, you know, we're, we're kind of putting this, this open tournament, individual tournament season kind of in the back burner now, focusing on duels. Um, you you kind of outlined what's going on this week. Uh, it seems like every time we, we look at Twitter, we're seeing or we're getting another email about uh, a duel that's been postponed. So I've got my fingers crossed that anything we're talking about now isn't irrelevant like a half hour from now. Yeah, right. Um, and if it is, um, I guess I'll make a note of it as I go about editing the the podcast. I hope not. It seems like most of the COVID-19 issues are coming from the coast, like we talked about Arizona State. Um, I think I saw something where Stanford had their schedule adjusted. And then you look at like, you know, I think it was Penn was the one that had the COVID-19 issues. So that forced Pittsburgh to line up a fun like double duel against Army and Michigan. And then they're also going to do some extra matches out there. Um you know, and then there's, you know, like Indiana, Ohio had their thing earlier this week. Like I just, I just not too long ago, I was just kind of running through everything just to be like, what, what, what actually did happen? Cause we saw a bunch of like adjustments and whatnot. And I don't know, like how, how long do you think these COVID-19 issues are going to keep going? Like maybe from your perspective, I have my thoughts about what I think and might happen, but what I'm, what do you think? I don't really know. Cause I, I kind of thought that, you know, this year would be kind of clear. There'd be some, you know, issues here and there and wrestlers sitting out and maybe a team, you know, every once in a while having to move a match back. But uh, I guess it's going to be something we're going to have to deal with kind of for the rest of this season. Um, I'm, I'm hoping after that we can move past it. But I've felt this way the past couple of years, I guess. <laughs> well, and okay. So before we get to the Iowa teams, like here's, here's a fun little thought exercise. I know that the NFL is exploring potentially moving the Super Bowl, right? That's in February. It's at SoFi stadium in LA. At least that's where it's scheduled to be. But I think I saw something where it's like, they're kind of exploring Jerry world. Um, the NCAA wrestling championship set for little Caesars arena in Detroit should they explore a potential backup plan and part two, if they should, where do you think they should go? I mean, uh, I think you'd be, uh, you, you'd be doing a disservice if you didn't at least explore it. Um, and, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, Florida and Texas have been the places kind of where, where everybody has been moving events like this kind of on the fly. So those are kind of your two top locations um i i am going to assume there's never been a d1 tournament at uh either of those states um i know in the past uh, i'm an east coast guy um only maybe eight hours from atlanta i've always wanted atlanta to get into the mix hosting um i, I think georgia would be pretty cool so um you know there those two states i think are probably your your leaders maybe oklahoma too well, I, my first thought 
and I don't know, I, I probably took this idea from just seeing it somewhere, but like, you know, big 12 championships are at the, the BOK center, like just mm. the mats down. Right. And then let's just, let's just rock and roll. If that's, yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know how big pinnacle bank arena is. That's where the big 10 championships are going to be. Um, you know, I know Carver at its capacity, you know, I, if you're talking tournaments, probably 12,000, but I know for dual, they push, they push close to 16. Um, you know, it might, that might be too heavy of a lift to take it to Kansas city or St. Louis, which I, you know, two central locations that people like, um, see the problem with like a backup plan is like, you're going to lose seats. So it's like how, yep. you know, how upset are people who have already bought tickets? Like how are, you know, how is that going to impact everything? How do you, how do you justify moving it to those people? I don't know. Like that's that, I feel like there's no like clear cut. Yes. Let's just up and move it. Um, and even then I'm sure the NFL is probably facing these similar issues too, as they're exploring ideas. But yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is, if nothing else, you have to be having these conversations right now because, you know, I don't want to get caught, you know, with our pants down at the last second, not being able to hold the tournament or not being able to have fans or or something like that. Yeah, that would. I'm in full agreement there. So here's hoping that the the powers that be are exploring that idea at the very least. Um, what I wanted to do today, um, you know, Earl you cover wrestling more from a national perspective. I'm very much here on the ground in state. Um, I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit about um, obviously the three division one teams. Uh, we kind of mentioned their upcoming schedule this weekend to kind of kick off the second half of the season. Uh, what I was hoping to do is run through Iowa, Iowa state, you and I um, kind of pose a question slash assessment of each team through their first half of the season. And then post another question slash assessment of kind of their outlook for January, February. Um, so I guess from there, we, we can start with the Hawkeyes. And I guess the, you know, I don't know if this is an outlook, but just kind of what, what do we make of, of Iowa so far? I don't know that we've seen their whole, we haven't seen the whole A team yet. Um, clearly the Spencer news is, is going to impact them, but I guess, you know, you dropped them from number one to number two in your, in your team rankings. Um, I think you might still have them at number one in the dual rankings, um, but what, what do I, for as somebody who kind of, you know, you take the, the big picture bird's eye view of, you know, not just these Iowa teams, but everybody, what do you make of the Hawkeyes so far this season? They, I don't want to say they, before the whole Spencer news came out, it was, it was kind of what I expected. Um, you know, we knew that Kemmer was going to be you know, used sparingly. Um, you know, we still haven't seen him. We don't really have a timetable. Um, and, you know, some, some of the other weights, uh, you know, the kind of the middle weights of, I don't want to say struggled because that's probably overstating it, but, you know, as far as the expectations for Iowa, Iowa fans with, uh, you know, Murin and Young, um, but, you know, Marinelli looks really good at a really deep weight, um, you know, Cassiope, he, he had that pin, you know, it was kind of what it was, but, yeah. you know, he, he's going to be in the mix. Uh, 197 is kind of a really deep weight as far as your, your, your title contenders. I think uh, Jacob Warner hasn't shown anything to, you know, let me believe that he's not going to be in the mix there. So I you know DeSanto, um, you know, he's right up in that uh, upper elite, echelon for 133 so it's it's kind of what i expected um as far as the tournament rankings i was actually uh talking with uh willie before putting them out and um i thought it was gonna be a real stark 
drop, obviously, without Spencer and, you know, initially doing the rankings, I was, I was thinking, all right, well, I'll probably slide Drake in at a certain spot because, you know, he had a good uh, scuffle performance. And then, it, you know, you see you would put out the the probables that the Iowa athletic department put out and, you know, he's not listed there. You know, you take that for what it's worth. But as of now, he hasn't wrestled an official out for Iowa so he's not in the rankings yet so that that'll give him a little bit of a bump as far as you know the people that pay attention to that stuff goes yeah and you know I just reading the tea leaves you know Tom basically told us on Wednesday again we're recording this on Thursday that I mean he said your bar is going like that's you know like that's explicitly what he said whether or not that's true I guess we'll see Friday night um you know I guess I'm of the belief that you know, I don't, I, I don't know. This is like, if you were a D one head coach and you had this problem, what would you do? Like, I know what I would do. And I guess we can, you know, I, I can give you my two cents, but I'm curious, like, what would, you know, Drake or Yabara, what would you do? I mean, generally I would say go with uh, Drake. Um, you know, he, he seems ready. You know, you go with him. Um, I know just uh, watching Tom brands from afar, you know, generally he hasn't gone with true freshmen, you know, he's generally, redshirted every one of them, um, you know, Spencer being an exception. I think maybe Micah Burak uh, some years ago. Nathan Burak? And, uh, Nathan Burak, there you go. Um, uh, but even then, know, he was unique because yeah. he spent a year at the OTC, right? Yeah. It's not like yeah. he was, you know. Fresh out of high school, per se. So so generally, even these really good recruits, they're redshirting a year. So um, I, I would expect him – generally to recruit to uh, register his guys. Um, now, I think if you're, you're, again, trying to read tea leaves and trying to, you know, um, are, are they planning for next year? Um, you know, what's, what's this mean for camera at 74? I, you know, I, I don't know, trying to take it. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, I think. It's, uh, it's interesting to me because it's, I don't know. Like I have to fully admit my bias if we're going to talk about this. Right. Cause I've been watching Drake since before he even got to high school. Right. Like he won a cadet national title, you know, as an eighth grader. And then he got to Fort Dodge, um, you know, three time state champ, two time junior national champ. Um, you know, he's been in the semifinals of the cadet and junior world team trials. Like, this is just, you know, this is a dude that I've, I've watched growing up. I've wrote multiple stories on him. I've talked to him. Like I was talking to him on Monday after the scuffle. Um, but like, I mean, if you remove that bias, like, and I say that there's a bias there because obviously I want to see all the Iowa kids that I've written about succeed at this next level. And I want to see them get those opportunities. But I think if you remove the bias a little bit, as much as I can, he just kind of passes the eye test in a way that I don't think Ybarra has yet. You know, like he's just, he's put in, I, I wrote this after when, I don't know if it was the mailbag or after his scuffle performance, but like Drake in five in his five wins. So then I guess if you include the loss to McKee, so he wrestled six matches at the scuffle, he put up 73 points in six matches. Yabara has put up 33 points in five contested matches this season. Now, different level of competition, but even then I feel like that tilts in Drake's favor because he's wrestling these D1 guys. He wrestled Reese Whitcraft, he wrestled Noah Certain twice. Um, you know, obviously he's wrestled McKee. Um, you know, whereas like Yabara wrestled Kyson Tarakina from Iowa state. Um, he wrestled Ryan Chauvin from army. And then he went to the Luther open where there were not a whole lot of D one competition. Right. So like, it's, 
not an apples and apples, you know, apples to apples comparison, but I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like, and I guess they have the freedom to maybe go back and forth here a little bit if they, if Tom wants to figure something out, but just, I don't know, like maybe I'm just leaning too much into that Southern scuffle performance, but it's, I, I don't know. Drake seems like their best option, at least today. Like if the NCAA championships were tomorrow, Drake would probably be their best option to try and score as many points as they can at 125 pounds. Because that's, I mean, that's ultimately what's going to decide this team race, right? You look at, you know, the Abe Assad decision, like Tom felt Abe could score more points than Cash Wilkie or Nelson Brands at 184, which is why he's like, all right, hey, we're, we're doing this. Um, you know, Spencer's an alien, but like that played into the decision too. Spencer could win a national title that year. That would maximize their point scoring potential. Like that is, that's where I think this battle is going to be decided. And I don't know if it's going to be decided this weekend. I don't know if they're going to go back and forth because they got another Friday doubleheader, Friday, Sunday doubleheader next weekend too on the road. Um, we'll see. They're supposed to wrestle Northwestern next weekend. I know that they've had some hairy COVID things, so we'll see what's going on. But I don't know. This it, It's a very, it, it, it's it's going to be an intriguing, intriguing development to follow. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think it should be Drake, but um you know, I guess we'll see what happens because um, Tom's made funny decisions that I find confusing and don't understand until later. So I don't know. Um, but that kind of tangentially leads into what I wanted to ask you about, kind of like my question of wh- what should we expect from Iowa moving forward is um, now that Spencer's gone, we have not seen Kemmer yet. Can this Iowa team and then part two, will this Iowa team uh, can they win a national title this year? Can they can they go back to back and repeat, or or are some of these things going to maybe be a little bit too much to overcome? What do you think? Uh, I think they can. Um, you know, Drake would be a central figure in. Um, if you're asking me, uh, if he's out there this year, he's lost to McKee twice. I wouldn't necessarily bet against him losing if he were to wrestle Friday night. Um, I think he's just kind of based on his pedigree, uh, working in the Iowa room, uh, just the, the way that these these first year guys develop week by week, month by month. You know, I could see him ending up with a top four, top five finish at NCAs this year. And, you know, that's that's going to be very important there. And as you mentioned, he's a point scorer. So, um, you know, that's also not only are you losing national championship points from Spencer, you're losing what, you know, probably three tech falls and two pins, you know, something like that. So yeah, an, uh, an average of about 25 team points at the NCAA yeah, championships. Yeah. So, so you have that, you have, um, you know, if, if Kemmerer's back in, uh, you know, reasonably close to a hundred percent, I mean, he, he beat the national champion last year at 174. So, um, you know, no reason to think he couldn't do that. Um, I, I mentioned, you know, a guy like a Warner, um, you know, our guys in the middle of the line, Amurin, Young, those guys are, are battle tested. Those guys could, uh, you know, find, they could find their way high up the podium with both of those weight classes. Neither of those are um, kind of, I think, 57 is much tougher than 49, but, uh, you know, there, there isn't a reason why he, he couldn't be midway up that podium. So um, I do think there's a blueprint for it to happen. It's one of those situations where it's like kind of everybody's best case scenario. And for anybody that's watched like more than one wrestling tournament, generally you're 
all of your best case scenarios never happen. So there, <laughs> there are, there are going to be, you know, one or two guys that, you know, fall short of, uh, you know, what, what we project, what we think is going to happen. So um, looking at it today, I would say probably not. I'd have to give the edge to Penn State. Yeah. Well, and it's obviously, I think that's the team that, you know, again, if the NCAA championships were to start tomorrow, I would give them the edge too, just the way they've looked, the way they performed, who they currently have in the lineup, who, um, you know, and then I, Michigan's just kind of lingering out here. And I don't know exactly what to make of them yet. Um, but on paper, at least, this seems like it could be a really exciting, thrilling three-team race. And it's been a while since we've had one of those, I feel like. Um, but, you know, I mean, you mentioned, you know, like Iowa, like best case scenario, can they get it done? Um, you could almost make the same argument for both Penn State and Michigan, right? Because, you know, Michigan's going to have a lineup that has, what, seven All-Americans, three returning NSA finalists. Nick Suriano is now in the fold at 125. Um, Penn State obviously has four returning NCAA champs, plus, you know, Max Dean, who's been in the NCAA finals, plus, you know, Greg Kirkfleet, Andrew Hildebrandt now, both All-Americans last year, um, you know, and it's just the, the more I look at, you know, I, I, my guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe you probably know a little bit better than me. I think somewhere in the range of 120 to 140 points is going to win it this year how each team gets there. Like you could go weight by weight and say, you know, I, I best case scenario is this Michigan's best case scenario is this Penn state's best case scenario is this. And like, I think 174, for example, is like a really good way to look at as like, we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Right. Cause you've got Carter Starachi, you've got Michael Kemmer, but you've also got like Hayden Heidley and you've also got like Makai Lewis. And it's like, any one of those guys could win it. Any one of those guys could take seventh. And I don't know that it would be a huge surprise. So it's like, I don't know. Like, this is where I'm like, yeah, they could win. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, they could win it. Yeah, they need a lot of things to go their way. I don't know that it has to be like the perfect tournament that like, you know, example, like 2015 probably had to be, um, you know, because there's just so many different variables from so many different teams. Like we mentioned, you know, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, probably your top three teams on paper, but you can't count out Arizona State. You can't count out NC State, Virginia Tech, maybe not at the top of the team race, but they got enough dudes that could cause some chaos at the top of the team race, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a couple of weeks ago, our friend Jason Bryant put out something about Michigan, basically for them to do something they've never done. It'll take stuff they've never done I think was something you know something <laughs> something like that was uh the title probably more eloquent than I put it but uh um as time has gone by it's looked a little more achievable for those guys and you know getting Suriano officially in the mix and um you know hopefully wrestling on their in their home state in front of a home crowd um you never know how that impacts a team it could be negative could be positive um so i, I do really want to see what those guys can bring to the the fold and then again do they knock off a penn state guy or a iowa guy or you know arizona state as well yeah no it's it's super you know i, I 141 149 like you know stevon michich is back um will kane and store get some run in the postseason i know he got hurt at cklv um you know, Nick Suriano, like how does he factor in with guys like Vito and Pat Glory? Um, and how does that impact Drake, right? And how does that also impact Drew Hildebrandt? It's like, there's just so many different variables here that it's like, you know, yeah, we think Penn State's probably the favorite at the moment. Um, 
but like, how does everything, you know, like one for like a Bo Bartlett, for example, at 49, like he's a guy that could probably win three straight one point matches and make the semifinals, which guarantees you six place points, or he could go in two, you know, like, it's just, I, I don't know what's going to happen, which I think is part of the fun. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you're feeling. Like I know it's, I think it's just going to be a wild three days in March, whether it's in Detroit or, or Tulsa or wherever the heck they end up taking it. I hope it's in Detroit because I think that'd be pretty fun. So actually, the f- the first NCAA tournament I was at was uh, 2007 in, in uh, Auburn Hills, and that was not the best experience as far as kind of being out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, the tournament was great, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, used, I'm looking forward to it being in uh, a new. I always like having it in new arenas and uh, seeing kind of what's up with downtown Detroit stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be in Detroit. Um, And I think obviously when you talk about the Hawkeyes, you think of, you know, what is their NCAA championship output? And it's just, you know, I don't know how big of favorites they were had Spencer been healthy and decided to continue to pursue this without ACLs. But um, you know, I know that they're not exactly clear cut favorites now, but I do still consider them maybe a strong contender for, for this team race. Um, So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens and we'll, you know, obviously everybody is going to monitor what they do at 125 moving forward. And, and especially this weekend, I, I don't know if it'll provide clarity, but at least probably give us an idea of, of what they're going to do. Um, well, I was, and, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're you good. Know, they, they, they have two really good 125 pounders that they're facing in McKee and uh, Devin Schroeder from Purdue. So, you know, if, if uh, you're going to get a good gauge of where Ibarra is, if he's the guy going for both of those matches, and if, you know, the staff feels like he's right there with them or he knocks them off, you know, how, how, however that it turns out. Yeah, well, and I tell you what, there's – it's not just this weekend. Like, you look at, you know, McKee Friday, Schroeder Sunday, and then it's, you know, Illinois Northwestern, which is Cardani, who, you know, he just won the Matman Open. Um, and then Michael D'Augustino, who's pretty tough. And then Ohio State's Malik Heinzelman, Penn State's presumably Drew Hildebrandt. Um, you know, I think they, they're taking both Drew Hildebrandt and, and Jacob Campbell to Maryland this weekend. Um, you know, and then the page turns to February, Wisconsin's Eric Barnett. That's an All-American. Um, you know, Trevor Master Giovanni from Oklahoma State, he's pretty tough. And then uh, Liam Cronin from Nebraska, who uh, maybe not quite at that elite level, but still like a really tough competitor who's been around the Big Ten Conference for a few years. So, um, no rest for the weary, whether it's Yabara or Drake, right? <laughs> that's that's the gauntlet. Absolutely, right. And then that's before the Big Ten and NCAA championships, right? So that's, you know, those guys will be battle-tested right in time for the postseason. Um, that's the Hawkeyes. I don't know if you had any last parting thoughts before we moved on to Iowa State. I just wanted to throw out the Jaden Ironman. As I was talking about guys, you know, I didn't want him to go – unmentioned as another guy that you know, has beaten the NCAA champion from last year could very well, you know, do it again. Yeah. Right. Well, and now, you know, 41 becomes very interesting because there's Nick Lee, Ironman, Stevon Michich has been to the NCAA finals before. Um, you know, that, that could be a weight where big 10, big 10 tournament results could be a huge factor in, you know, how many points does each team get out of that weight? Right. Um, Cause yep. it's, it's going to take everybody, whether you're Penn state, Michigan or Iowa. That's the Hawkeyes. Um, 
and I guess kind of the top of the NCAA, because I guess, you know, in today's day and age, when you're talking Hawkeyes, you're talking the top of the NCAA wrestling pecking order. Um, Iowa State, maybe a few steps down, but still a very, very intriguing team this year. Um, my, I guess my question kind of looking back is, do we, what, what was the biggest surprise about this Iowa State team through the first couple months of the season from your perspective? Um, I think I'd say at 197 with Bastida, um, you could see watching him last year, you know, you read his credentials. He's obviously, you know, super talented, but how does he acclimate to the folk style system and training, uh, you know, kind of probably different schedule. And, uh, you know, he's shown that he's kind of going to be in the mix with those guys. I said 97 was deep. He's just another guy that's, uh, that's going to be in there. I know he wasn't in the intermat rankings for, you know, the first couple cycles. And I, I think probably after the, the Warner win that definitely put him in there, but um, you know, that's probably the biggest surprise so far. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because that's, that's a weight where, you know, we're talking about, you know, what, what needs to go right for any of the top three teams, or, you know, maybe there's a dark horse fourth team out there you know, to try and win it in March, like it's 197 is a weight that could finish, I think, you know, a dozen different ways. And I don't know how surprised anybody would be by it. Right. Cause you've, I mean, you've got, you know, clear cut AJ Ferrari at the top, but then you look at the big 12, for example, there's Tanner Sloan, there's Steven Buchanan, there's a lot of younger Bastida. You throw him in the mix. Now there's a lot of really good 97 pounders. You move over to the big 10. It's, you know, it's Warner, it's Pat Brucky. It's, you know, I forgot Jake Woodley as well in the big 12. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, big 10, same thing. Like they're just loaded one after another, after another, Thomas Panola, Eric Schultz, like they're just, they're everywhere. Braxton Amos as well. Like there's just, there's tons of talented wrestlers, um, you know, and that could be a weight that, you know, plays a pretty heavy role in figuring out what, team race might look like. And I guess in the case of Iowa state specifically, like younger Bastida's finish, you know, that could be the difference between Iowa state being on the outside of the top 10 and being on the inside of the top 10, right? Like that's sure. And he's been very impressive. Um, I've always kind of viewed his inclusion as an experiment. I don't know how, Mm -hmm. you know, you feel about this, but like, you know, Hey, like you're bringing in a guy that's obviously very credentialed in freestyle, very good on his feet. He's electric when he decides to open up his bag of tricks, but you know, how is the rest going to translate? Right. And so far, at least from last year to this year, this experiment is working. Um, he's beaten Warner. He's beaten Thomas Panola from Purdue. Um, you know, we talked about gauntlets for the Iowa 125s coming up. I, he's going to have, you know, he's going to see Buchanan this month. He's going to see Woodley this month. He's going to see AJ Ferrari this month. Um, you know, I, there are other dudes there that he is going to have to wrestle before he even gets to the big 12 tournament when they're all going to see each other again. Um, And I think this will be a pretty defining month in kind of learning how good is he, right? Cause we, obviously we, we can see that he can win these one-offs, but you know, what's, what's it going to look like when you have to go back to back? Like what's, you know, I think the big 12 tournament is going to be really intriguing for younger Bastida because then, you know, it's not like you're strategizing for one match. Like you could have three or four in a day. How do you handle that? You know, like, I don't know. I, it's going to be really intriguing because I, I agree with you. He's been a very pleasant surprise because of the weight he's at. And he's mm-hmm. been very impressive. And like, I'm very curious to see how he does, especially through this month, just knowing who he's got to wrestle, because that I think that'll that'll tee up expectations for Iowa State moving forward. 
So I don't, I don't, I don't know how else you see his impact, but that's, that's kind of where my thoughts at with him. Yeah. And in, in that whole 197, you just listed off a bunch of the dudes, um, anybody top 10 ish, maybe even farther makes the finals opposite AJ Ferrari wouldn't be that big of a shock for me. Um, you tell me the 16, 17, 18th guy, all Americans, you know, wouldn't be that big of a surprise. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's going to be, uh, as I'm doing the rankings and I, I always have the conference listed with the guys and you see that 197, big 12, big 12, big 12, it's like, man, that, yeah, right. that's going to be, that's going to be a bracket now. Well, well, kinda, I just, yeah. Well, and especially, I forgot too, Missouri's Rocky Elam's in that mix. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah, we have forgotten those guys a little bit. Um, it's just coming back. Um, and then kind of number one, a or number two there, at least for me has been Marcus Coleman. Um, kind of been a guy you probably know more than I do. Um, just watching him year after year going up and down and up and, you know, it's, it's not like he's really found his perfect spot in the lineup thus far, but now with uh, kind of what he's doing, uh, he, he looks more consistent and better than ever and maybe not necessarily an all-American threat in my eyes at the beginning of the season, but now watching him at this point, I, I could see that happening for those guys. He definitely looks the part, and I'm really glad you brought him up because I, I, I had been thinking that for a while that like, hey, like this 184 seems like his weight, right? I mean, he came out and, and was originally doing 74 um, then he made the bump, I think, all the way up to 97 last year. And, and he looked good. Like I know at the Big 12 tournament, he went on a run where, you know, I think he went four and two and, and recorded four pins. Um, you know, so then he got to the NCAA championships. I think he went two and two there. You could tell he was still a little undersized, but he kind of figured out how to wrestle as an undersized 97. 84 looks perfect for him. Um, the weight seems to be fine. He seems to be figuring out with each match kind of what he can do offensively. Um, Cause this guy's got some explosive offense. He's got, you know, he can run, he's got a freight train double. Um, he is very, I think I may, if I keep talking about it, maybe I'm just trying to speak it into existence, but like the guy's damn good on top. Like he has yep. found ways to score riding time points, um, you know, and he doesn't always, I don't think look to turn. So he's one of those top guys, but like, he does not give away escapes. Um, you know, I think Miles Wilson in the, in the Iowa State duel, uh, Wilson got up and out, but it was after, you know, Marcus had war on him for 40 or 50 seconds. And then, you know, Marcus was able to tee up a pretty easy takedown there in the third period to win the match. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's, it's, been, it's been really fun to kind of see Marcus not just thrive, but really kind of settle in and figure out what weight works for him. And, um, you know, I, it, it's still early. And he's another guy we're going to learn a lot about through this next month or so. But he, he looks like the part of an all American contender. It might for him depend on, you know, where does his big 12 finish put him in the national bracket? But, you know, this is a guy that, you know, if he's in the quarters on Friday morning and he's able to do the one thing he needs to do to win that match, I, it wouldn't shock me at all. I'm not saying Marcus Coleman's going to get to the NCAA semifinals because 84 is pretty top heavy, but um, this is definitely a guy worth watching because he, it looks like he, like you said, it looks like he's finally figured out, his optimal spot in that lineup. Um, and it's funny, we mentioned those guys as like, you know, can they make deep runs in March? Because my question for, for you regarding Iowa state moving forward is, is what, what do they need to do to be a top 10 team? 
Um, you know, we talked about younger, we talked about Marcus Coleman. Um, we learned this week that Ian Parker is, is on his way down to 141. Um, which side note, they should have freaking done that all along. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand why you're having two all American caliber wrestlers wrestle off at the same spot, but I'm glad they finally organized that and figured it out. But what, like, what, what do you feel like the Cyclones need to do to be a top 10 team? Cause I know that this is something that dresser has been wanting for a while. Um, they like everybody else got robbed of the 2020 national tournament. Um, I felt like that could have been the year for a number of their guys like any Ian Parker. Um, Jarrett Dagan would have hit Pat Lugo in the quarters that year. What, what do you feel like they need to do? How do they need to finish if this is the year the Cyclones take that step and become a top 10 team? Well, you know, first and foremost, with tournaments and tournament team scoring, it's super top heavy. So you got to have David Carr, you know, repeat, be in the finals, some, you know, some sort of really high finish, um, get some bonus points along the way, just just as kind of your precursor. Um, you probably need uh, – two others, maybe three this year, just to, with the way the depth of all these weight classes and these teams, uh, you know, the ones you mentioned before that may not be competing with Iowa and Penn State, but, you know, your Virginia Techs and your NC States, you know, those guys are going to have multiple All-Americans, multiple high finishes. So, you know, on paper, I don't think they have anybody that looks like a high finish aside from Clark or a car. So you're going to have to have uh, probably three others get on the podium, which, you know, most likely would be, you know, Dagan, uh, Parker, you know, one of the two between Bastida, Coleman. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of asking a lot for um, guys that haven't necessarily done it before aside from Dagan, but uh, you know, there, there's a blueprint to it for sure. Yeah. Well, and my thought is, you know, if they can't get, because five all Americans sounds like a lot, right? Like yeah. that's, that's half the lineup. If we're talking, you know, Carr, Parker, Dagan, Marcus, Younger, um, you know, let's just group them all in there. And because you know, I, I, those five kind of look like the legit podium contenders. Now, can they nickel and dime their way into the top 10, you know, with, you know, can Ramazan, for example, at 133, can he win a few matches in March and score three, four points here and there? Can, can Kyson Tarakina do the same at 25? Can Joel Devine, who, who's, got, who's got some pretty good wins, he beat Garrett Ninehouse um, in the Iowa State-Purdue duel. Um, you know, can he kind of, you know, quote-unquote hold serve with his 20th ranking at the moment and, and, you know, maybe get to Friday, you know, score a couple points here and there? Can, can Sam Schuyler now at heavyweight – you know, can he figure some things out and, and maybe win a match or two? Part of me thinks that's part of this equation. I just don't know how much part of that equation it is. Cause I'm with you. Like they could, you know, David Carr could be their only all American or they could finish with five and neither would surprise me. Um, but I'm also in agreement with you that like, they're going to need more than just David if they want to be a top 10 team. Cause they had two all Americans last year and finished 13th. And I don't have the scores in front of me, but I know that they, they weren't, super far from the top 10. I think they finished in a tie for 13th, but they definitely weren't like one more all American away from the top 10. Um, so it's like, it's, it's a very, they're a very intriguing lineup to me. Cause I feel like they've always had this potential and now it's like cross your fingers that they all stay healthy and keep wrestling well, because I think it'd be kind of fun to see them finally take that step, especially with, you know, this group of guys that they've got currently, I mean, specifically Parker and Dagan, like this is their last year 
you know, yeah, sure. they would they would be leaving the program in a tremendous spot if they're able to go out by getting Iowa State into the top ten. Yeah, and, and I I always love I don't know I I guess I love a little bit of everything I can find a reason to be <laughs> happy watching <laughs> wrestling, but uh, uh, you know I I like seeing uh, kind of your your traditional schools kind of in the mix. Uh, you know if if Minnesota and Iowa State and Oklahoma, like if, if schools like that kind of fought their way back into it and were top 10 teams, I think it, I don't know, I feel like it's good for the sport. I'll still enjoy it if, uh, you know, Missouri and Virginia Tech are in the top 10 too. <laughs> hey, I will definitely enjoy it if Missouri is in the top 10. Um, but I will say, you know, and I, I'm thinking of the Cyhawk duel when both of these teams are good and when you and I as good as well, like, you know, I think there was, there's maybe been one year since I'd been on the beat where all three of them were in the top 20 and like, that's fun. Like that's a lot of fun when mm-hmm. they wrestle each other in state. And I know Iowa and you and I have their whatever going on, but like the Cyhawk duel is great. Um, Iowa state, you and I is always spectacular, but like, especially when the teams are really good um, it just makes it a lot more fun. And so like, here's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe Iowa state can take those steps um, just cause you know, you cover these guys for so long, you really get to know them. And you know, you, you do hope that they can attain the goals that they set out for because one, you know, how hard they work Two, like everybody loves a good story. Right. And so Iowa state breaking right. into the top 10, I think would be a fun story for them. And also just like for Iowa wrestling in general. Um, so I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I think there's a path there. Um, you know, but it's going to take, it's, you know, similar to the guys that want to win titles this year. Like it's going to take, you know, more than just David Carr. Like it's going to, it's going to take a group of them to really focus in, hone in and, and get the job done come March. Um, Northern Iowa. Um, I guess before we get there, you got any, any final thoughts um, on, on the, on the Cyclones so far this year and where they're headed? Yeah, I think uh, initially I probably, I probably was late to the party as far as uh, kind of, uh, underrating them as a dual team. Um, I think after uh, seeing the Purdue match at uh, Humboldt High School, um, I kind of jumped on board a little bit, but uh, they, they've really kind of solidified themselves as a dual team. Uh, you know, we're talking more tournament stuff now, but uh, they're, they're pretty solid top to bottom. Yeah. And they, that, which is kind of, you know, it's a bummer that they're not going to get to Russell Arizona state this weekend. Cause that, that I felt like would have been a true barometer, like, okay, are they ready to take that next step? And, you know, how do they fight against a team that won a trophy last year? Right. Um, you know, so big bummer that they're not able to make that trip. Um, I know that that's, that's a duel that they want to have every year if they can get it just because of how Zeke Jones has, has built that program. And it doesn't look like the sun devils are going anywhere anytime soon. So um yeah, I, they, you know, and I, you know, I think it was the Iowa duel, you know, to kind of put a bow on Iowa state, the Iowa duel kind of showed how much fight they have. Um, and then I think the Purdue duel, you know, cause Purdue, Purdue's a pretty tough team, right? They're a big 10 team. They hadn't lost before that duel at Humboldt. I think that really showed like, Oh, okay. This, this is a cyclone team that that could make a little bit of noise, right? How much noise? I don't know that we know fully yet. Um, but that was a tremendous performance. I thought from them, they got popped in the mouth early and they came right back with a haymaker. And it was really impressive to see. Um, that's the cyclones, um, Northern Iowa. This is, they're always an interesting team cause they've always got, you know, some top flight studs. And then they're also built almost, almost exclusively of like former Iowa high school kids. So it's like, I always feel like I know you and I the best just because I know a lot of the kids that end up making up the starting lineup. Um, 
what do we, I know Northern Iowa, not, not a ton of duels in the first half of the season. I think they only wrestled five total and three of them were down at, at journeyman. Um, but what, what do we, how, how do you feel about you and I um, so far this season in the limited action that they've been in? I, if you have any feelings at all toward them because of the limited action. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched uh, all the, their duels in Florida and, you know, it's kind of what you expect from, and I'm not saying results wise, but um, kind of the blueprint of a Doug Schwab team, like uh, he's one of the guys more than anyone else in the country. I feel like um, he kind of has identified his brand of kids that he brings in and they all kind of fit into his mold. Um, and I don't mean that in like stylistically, but just um, as a, as a program, as kind of one big unit in a family. So you know, they, they didn't have the results they wanted there, I'm sure, but they did fight hard. Um, they, they made things interesting at a couple weights where, you know, maybe you didn't think they would, or, you know, they, they picked up a couple wins that maybe you didn't think they should have. So um, it, it's a team that uh, really fights hard. And I think that, uh, you know, as they get more into dual competition, we'll we'll probably see some more of these guys, you know, rising up and, and making a name for themselves. Yeah. Who do you, and maybe that's, that's a good picking off point on kind of, you know, reviewing the first half of their season. Who do you think has the biggest potential to maybe make some move in the rankings? Like who do you think could bolster their resume a little bit um, after getting to see them wrestle during the first half of the season? Um, I've, I've always been uh, kind of a Happel fan and I, I feel like, uh, you know, he has uh, – he can probably move up at uh, 141. I think he's probably – you know, so, sometimes I have my opinions, but I try to make sure they're kind of factually backed up. Yeah. So he's one where I just feel like he's probably better than where he's ranked right now. I don't know if I necessarily have the evidence to prove that, but I, I feel like he's a guy that will probably rise up um, – I've been impressed with uh, Schoenfelder at 74. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think he has the the greatest record. He's had some good competition, but you know, he had that huge win over uh, Mako um, from Missouri. So, you know, he's a guy that uh, I've kept my eye on. Um, and then at, at heavyweight, Tyrell Gordon, um, again, I don't, necessarily know what his record indicates, but, um, you know, off the top of my head at least, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a fighter. He's a tough kid. Yeah. I like, uh, I like that you mentioned Pat Schoenfelter cause he's, he's a guy that, you know, he's kind of fluctuated between 65 and 74. And, and since Lance Runyon's been dealing with an injury, um, you know, and now that we're at the halfway mark, you know, do they opt to just give him, you know, do, do the medical red shirt with him so that Pat can just go the whole way because I, I'm in agreement with you. That's a guy that he's going to give you all seven minutes when he's out there. He may not win all the <laughs> matches, but he's going to give you all seven minutes, which, you know, that's that will win you matches that you probably shouldn't. Um, a big fan of a uh, big fan of Kel Happel. Um, you know, it's another Iowa kid that I've watched from quite literally start to finish. So it's been really fun to kind of see him get the opportunities he's gotten and um, you know, you mentioned Pat Schoenfelter w- with a big win, uh, same duel, Kel Happel beat Alan Hart, who got to the scuffle finals. Yep. So, um, or not the, he got to the semifinals of the scuffle, not the finals. Um, or did he see now? Yeah, he beat, uh, 
He beat uh he beat Alirez. Clay Carlson. Oh, you're right. He was on the other side because Woods yeah. beat Alirez. Or yeah, Woods beat Alirez. You're right. Yeah, um, gave him his first loss. Yeah. So like Kale Happel's got to win over that guy. Um, you know, and it, and the and I think the interesting part about watching these guys in Florida is that, like you got to see a few of them really get a taste of what the top of their weight class looks like. Like Kale Happel, for example, he got to wrestle Nick Lee. Um, Schoenfelter got to wrestle Starachi. Brody Teske in an earlier duel got to wrestle Vito from Cornell. Um, same thing with Colin Realbuto, who seems to be like there seems to be a little lineup battle there between him and, and Tristan Lara. Uh, but Realbuto got to wrestle Yanni. Um, you know, so it was like it was kind of interesting to see, you know, and then Parker Kett guys, and we know how good that guy is. And he was, you know, this close, literally this yep. close to getting Aaron Brooks. Um, he was in on a few shots that I think if he's wrestling anybody other than Aaron Brooks, he probably finishes. But um, Aaron Brooks is good like that. Um, yeah. And then I will Tyrell Gordon. Yeah. He, that this, he's always been super interesting to me because he was like underrated. I feel like coming out of high school, like he was a double junior all American as a senior. Um, and we all know how freaking hard that is to do, especially now that they do freestyle first in Fargo. Um, so he was a double all American went to you and I wrestled 97 for a year said, I hate cutting weight. So Doug's like, all right, go heavyweight. And then he beats, uh, Zach Knight and Ward down in Florida um with a really mean right out and that's like one of the first times i could really tell like oh okay tyrell gordon's not a full heavyweight like because zach knight and ward had like i'm exaggerating he had like a foot on him um you know but like tyrell gordon just kind of you know bucked up and said you're not getting off the mat and he won four to two and it was really impressive um yeah i just i don't i don't know exactly what to make of them but i know that they're always going to be fun and entertaining which then I guess leads me to the question I wanted to ask you about you and I moving forward. If I set their all American line at two and a half, are you taking the over or the under and why? That's, that's kind of the perfect number. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we have our two. Um, but do we though? That's the thing. Like, well, I don't, that's, you know, I don't know. When, and that's with, uh, you know, Spencer out. You know, you, you can, I can kind of say it's wide open in the sense that, you know, there's your Surianos, your Vitos, your guys that you think are going to compete for the title, Pat Glory, but it also opens up one spot on the podium because we knew Spencer was going to play somewhere. You could put that in stone. So that's one more guy that would have uh, missed the podium that gets on there. So, you know, is Teske that guy? Um, yeah. And he, uh, you know what, he got to the quarters last year. He was 17 yeah. seconds away from beating Drew Hildebrandt. Um, and then I forgot, um, he lost a close one in the blood round. But yeah, like he's he's right there. So it's, you know, now that that spot is available. And even like before Spencer decided to go down, I kind of thought he was still in that range. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, you know could he win to, to take that step? And he's not the only guy who I think could get there for you and I. Like, can you get to Friday night? And then once you do, what do you do with it? Um, you know, cause I think we're all in agreement that like barring something crazy, Parker Keck guys, it's probably going to be at least one all American for them. He just, he's got the goods, you know, but when, sure. I guess when I think of the 2.5, I think of Teske, I think, you know, how, how much better can Kale Happel get? Um, I can't, I can't not mention Kyle Biscaglia. I don't know if he's good enough to get to Friday night, but I don't think, I don't think he can't if that makes sense. Like, I think he's good mm. enough to get there. I just don't know if he will. Um, and then, um, 
you know, I, can Tyrell Gordon make a run? I don't know. Um, can Austin Yant make a run at 165? Like, I think, I think he's one of those gritty 65 pounders that could, you know, he could win two, three matches at the NCAA tournament. And next thing you know, he's in the round of 16 and it's like, wait, what? You know, like it's, I don't know. I don't like, that's what I, I agree with you. 2.5 is a great number, even though I feel like we're confident, more confident in just one of them than we are in multiple, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm glad you said, yeah, because he's a guy that I've liked. And then, you know, I'm thinking, well, 65 is just, you know, deep with just stud after stud. Uh, but then sometimes you have to catch yourself when we're talking about tournaments like that, because, to get to all American status, he doesn't have to beat five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He just has to beat one or two of those guys generally. So, you know, if, if it's the right matchup, if it's, you know, he's got the better frame of mind mentally uh, when they meet. Um, yeah, he, he could. Um, I, I probably would go on the under for the two and a two and a half, but I do like a Yant. And then 33 mentioned Biscaglia, like the big 12 at 33, you have Dayton fix, but after that, you got a lot of guys that end up beating up on each other. Um, uh, Last year was really weird. Um, They had a ton of guys make the tournament, but uh, they all kind of didn't have great records and they all beat up on each other. I really did not, love trying to make sense of them <laughs> ranking wise and uh you know so so he's gonna see decent guys uh in the conference schedule uh he, he beats them he's gonna move up quickly yeah right you know and if, if this goes one of those guys where if he makes a run at the big 12 tournament for example how much does that set him up for the ncaa tournament you know second or third in the big 12 could be i mean it's got to be at the very least top 12 seed right at the Mm -hmm. at the ncaa championship so like how does that factor into his path potentially to the blood round or to the quarters like what's you know that's just it very i don't know like i just i can't you know every time i think like oh i don't know about this guy like he he somehow rustles well enough and i'm just like oh you know maybe i don't know right like (laughs) I don't know. He's, he's an interesting cat. Um, you know, and the same thing for, with Austin Yant, like that's just a dude that in the same mold as, as a Pat Schoenfelter, where just, you know, he's going to give you all seven minutes and it's just a matter if he can execute the the opening or two that he's able to create for himself, you know, cause I think it was down in Florida. He wrestled Julian Ramirez um, from Cornell and it was four, three, you know, and, and Yant was in on a shot in the third period. And so, you know, can, can you finish that shot? And you know, if he's able to finish that shot at the right tournament in the right time period, like how does that help him, you know, moving forward? Like, is that enough to break through and get to Friday night to give yourself an opportunity? I don't know, man. Like there's just a lot of interesting pieces with this UNI team. And, you know, I don't know that it's in the same vein as like an Iowa state where like you can kind of see where Iowa state could get five all Americans. If everything is, if everybody stays healthy and everything breaks, right. Um, You know, I'm not saying UNI probably has five all Americans in their lineup, but you know, there's, there's enough dudes here where if they wrestle hard enough, it's like, yeah, you know, you can kind of see a path where he gets to Friday and then it kind of depends on the draw here and there, which I, it, that's, that to me is what makes you and I super interesting. Um, you know, cause I, I, we could talk until the cows come home about Keck guys in an 84 and can he beat Aaron Brooks? And, you know, if he's on the opposite side, could, could he get Hydley and maybe could he make a run to the finals? I don't know. Um, but it's, yeah, to me, it's a lot more interesting 
with you and I is like, you know, how can these other guys create paths for themselves, which I think is that that'll be a fun thing to kind of monitor as they navigate the big 12 slate. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what we're looking at right now is we're getting into this dual season and, and seeing how this one win Sunday or one win next Friday, you know, impacts conference seed, which impacts NCA seed and so forth. So it's fun kind of tracking that big picture while we're, we're looking at day by day as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was kind of what I, I thought about you and I, that's, that's all three Iowa teams. I don't, I, is there anything else you wanted to get off your chest about the three Iowa teams before we, before we close the show here, Earl? Uh, no, I just, so oh, I, well, one, I'm like 90% on the fence about uh, coming to the Iowa Penn state duel uh, haven't you been need to, to come. You need to come. <laughs> haven't been to Carver Hawkeye, so uh, I, I appreciate the passion of uh, <laughs> well, just just all of the uh, Iowa wrestling fans. You know, across the three D one schools, it's uh, you know different fan bases, but uh, everybody loves their wrestling, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, I, that's that's one of the two duels. The other one actually being the one this Friday night against Minnesota. Um, they sold out two months in advance. Um, yeah. So I, that, that crowd's going to be rocking, um, you know, as soon as they can, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagine, you know, if they don't figure it out this weekend, they'll take the rest of the month to figure out 25, like we thought. And um, you know, whoever it is, if they're able to produce something over the next month, that's just going to make them that much more excited to wrestle potentially drew Hildebrandt that night. Um, you know, and then obviously we'll get a handful of, of potentially national finals rematches that night as well. Um, in front of a full Carver crowd. Um, I'm not saying, I am saying you need to come, you need to come out to Iowa city, <laughs> come watch this duel. We're all going to be there. Like it's going to be a blast. Um, so however you need to make it happen, make it happen. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> um, Earl, I appreciate you coming on to kind of uh, chit chat about Iowa, Iowa state, you and I, um, you are the head man at Intermat. Is there anywhere else? Um, I'll give you a second to kind of plug your stuff about where people can go read and listen and watch whatever it is you're doing. I know I just check out Intermat, uh, Intermat Wrestle, the website. We have a Rockfin page. Uh, we got the great content team. Cody's a part of our conference correspondence. Uh, we try to hit, you know, everything everywhere as far as uh, the seven D1 conferences. Uh, just got a little bit of, everything for everyone. I like to say, so check us out and uh, keep coming back. We love that. Thank you, Earl, so much. I appreciate the, the time today and uh, I'll see you in Iowa city at the end of the month, man. All righty. <laughs> Thank you. Big thanks again to Earl for taking the time to chat with me about all three of Iowa's programs. Um, always fun to bring in someone who has that bird's eye view of all the teams and to get to pick their branches kind of about what they're thinking, their perceptions, what they're looking at moving forward, especially for a guy like Earl. Um, you know, if you do Division One wrestling rankings, you clearly know your stuff. You clearly have to pay attention to a lot of little things. So um, always appreciate a perspective like that, especially somebody from Earl. Um 
especially somebody like Earl, who, I mean, he's been doing this for a heck of a long time. So um, always value his opinion and his perception on things. And uh, really glad we were able to make this work. Um, we're going to end today's show as promised uh, with Tom Brand's press conference from earlier this week. Again, he talked about Spencer, Iowa's options at 125 pounds, Brennan Swafford, um, and then also what he thinks about the ongoing COVID-19 issues um, that some teams around the country are facing or are dealing with. So always appreciate time with Tom whenever he gives it to us. Um, so let's go to that chit chat now. Mike Finn's good to see you. Uh, let it let it fire, buddy. Okay, great. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for joining us, Tom. I just wanted to talk a little more about Spencer Lee before we move on, because of the fact that he was not able to wrestle. Did it actually show that what he went through last March was actually even more difficult than what he talked about? Then also with that in mind, did it sense did he not sacrifice himself last year personally for Iowa's goals? Uh, it's well documented. My respect for Spencer Lee, this program's respect, my brother's respect, uh, respect for the family. Um, you cannot say it enough, um, his sacrifices. You cannot say it enough, um, the courage uh, that he has and ha- will have and will have to have um, regardless. So um, he's endeared to Hawkeye fans because of is winning ways and he's endeared to Hawkeye fans because of much, much more than that. And that cements, you know, your legacy as a, basically a living legend and you're not even done competing yet, maybe. Um, and am I overstating that? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. What was the turning point in Florida that made you guys decide that it was time to, to, to have the surgery? I'm not going to get into that. The turning point in Florida was a, there was no turning point in Florida. The, you know, the path that you're on is, is evaluated every day and sometimes more than every day, sometimes more than, than once a day. And, um, you know, Spencer's comments, I think they document very well, you know, what he's gone through and, and, and it's just, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. There, there's, there's an injury there uh, without getting into privacy stuff, but there's an injury there that it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. He made it work, and under dire circumstances, and he persevered last March, and it's not going to work. So that's where we're at. Next question from KJ Pilcher. Can't hear you, KJ. You doing all right, buddy? All right, we'll move on. Uh, next question from Cody. KJ, we'll circle back. Go ahead, Cody. Um, yeah. Coach, from I guess from your perspective, what kind of what was the conversation like with Spencer when it came to you know making the decision to get surgery? The conversation has been every day, um, you know, we're evaluating. Um, I, I'm not going to get into the particulars. This, this is something that is like, it, it's a decision made by a team of people evaluating it every day. And at the end of the day, when, when you get to a decision like this, Everybody wants to be let in on it, but to let you all in on it, and I'm talking to the entire world that wants to be in on it, you have to go back to 
when I first knew about it, when he walked off the mat after his Big Ten finals match in State College, Pennsylvania, when he whispered in my ear and said, hey, I think I just tore my other ACL. You know, that's where you got to go back to it with people. And that's not to be a jerk, um, but there is so much that goes into these things with individuals and elite level uh, minded um, athletes or, or just people in general. Um, it's not it's not a cavalier decision for him. It wasn't a it wasn't an easy decision or a decision that, you know, that is, oh, let's just make the decision and oh, whatever decision we make, we're going to go with it. It was constant evaluation, and we're where we're at because of that. Next question from KJ. Uh, I think every time KJ tries to unmute, he loses connection. So we'll go to Mike Loss. Uh Ballpark it for me, Tom. What percentage of wrestlers have you known that would have continued to compete at Lee's level the way he did after that day at State College? I don't know that it's unprecedented, but in my mind, it's unprecedented. I know wrestlers in this program that have been ACL deficient, that have competed and had success. Um, I don't know anyone that had was ACL deficient in two knees. Um, he's a competitive guru. He's a high, high-minded individual, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve a lot of times, and I think that favors him in, in situations where there's a, a real crisis and you have to persevere. I cannot say it enough on uh, the courage or the, the determination um, and the forethought into, in a quick amount of time um, to continue into that national tournament and then go win the title. And there were so many things that he was doing it for. He, he, he did it for himself first, for sure. And you have, to, you have to do it for yourself first. But he did it for a lot of other people, too. And he did it very unselfishly for a lot of other people. And I said it uh, back in March, and he made a lot of Hawkeye fans happy. Uh, because we did win the team title. That is important to our fan base. It is important to the program. Uh, but we didn't have a champion. And we had two guys that had fallen short in, in overtime bouts. And he made a lot of people happy by, by doing what he did. And I can't, I can't, you, you cannot say it enough. So that's, a, that's, a, you know, that's an answer to your question. I, I, can't, I can't give him enough credit. I can't. Circle back to Cody. Um. What is going to go into the decision to figure out who's going to be at 125 pounds moving forward? Well, moving forward at 125 pounds, we have Jesse Ibarra. He's wrestled um, this year when Spencer was not on the mat. Um, we have a true freshman that's done well with his results um, consistently throughout the throughout the early part of this year. And we have two options there, and we like having options. And right now, Ibarra's going. And that's where we're at. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out as we figure out. Um, Ayala just got back from, from uh, Zeldin Scuffle on Monday. 
I mean, so, I mean, he drove all night to get back to town, and we saw him in the room yesterday, and I saw him in the room this morning. He was he was in a drill with Shriver and Terry Brands, and that's right on right on time. So he's operating consistently, like he has since he got on campus. What did you uh, What did you take away from Drake's performance? What did you like about it? Um, you know, when he was down at the scuffle. Uh, all year he's been consistent. Um, he's hungry. Um, he knows that this sport takes commitment. He comes from a great place um, that emphasized that basically his entire life, his family, um, you know, the people that trained him, um, his own mindset, how it developed. Uh, we absolutely love his leadership. Um, you know, I watched him as a, as a junior and senior in, in high school when we were recruiting him and watched how much respect it was just automatic toward him, um, soft-spoken, um, you know, but, but demands, you know, that you pay attention to him. Um, no drama. Um, and then you look at, you know, the, the exit interview that he did leaving Fort Dodge um, in their local newspaper. And what he said in some of his quotes there will stick with me forever with him. Um, because he was, he was basically charging those left in Fort Dodge to take out everybody, take them all out, all comers, in all sports, in all things. And he's that, that's the kind of guy he is. He's a leader. He's a leader. Tom, we will circle back to Mike Finn. Um, Tom, a little change of pace here on this thing. Uh, you know what's happened with Arizona State. They've had to alter their thing because of COVID. There's some other programs that deal with it. Are you concerned of anything like, here we go again, this is an issue that wrestling may have this postseason? We control what we can control. We tell our guys that. For me to say that I don't have an eye on what's going on, that would be an error, but we control what we can control. I operate the same way. I know that there's protocol snags out there and we're going to work through those any way we can with doing things that keep our net as small as possible so we don't get any interruptions in our training or our competition. And if interruptions happen, then we'll roll with it. And we have a group of guys in that wrestling room that I'm speaking for, that I can speak for. Um, all they want to do is compete and they're going to get ready to compete and when they're told that, hey, there's going to be a little bit of a schedule change, then they'll roll with it as well, just like they had to, you know, with, with the Midlands being canceled and then the Hawkeye Open and then the Hawkeye Open not going and Midlands was going. And we ended up in the Southern Scuffle with basically the same group that was going to compete in the original Midlands. And, and that's, that's, that's because we're steady. That's because we operate that way and we're very steady. Has the Big Ten or the NCAA put any any correspondence with y'all at all just to say, just remind you of anything? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's boring stuff because we've been through this so much. Uh, we had a phone call yesterday with Big Ten coaches group and we have, um, you know, emails today. And so we're all just ready for when there is a decision. And, and right now there's nothing that's really earth shattering that's changing and um, – it's great. And for Arizona State and Michigan to get four matches 
in what was going on down there, I applaud them. I applaud that. I mean, make make something good come out of this. I mean, don't just shut it down. And, and um, you know, I saw Zeke Jones was interviewed. I didn't listen to that interview. I'm going to go back and listen to that interview because I, I, I want to know, you know, that hey, that's good stuff there. I mean, let's get something going, even if, you know, we're at an all-time peak right now. But um, young people were meant to compete. Um, you know, they weren't guaranteed that things aren't going to be interrupted, but, um, you know what, they were meant to compete and they were meant to live their lives with gusto and with energy. And when bad things happen, you keep going and that's what we're doing. And we got a room full of those guys. Thanks, Tom. KJ, if you got a connection, I'll go to you, buddy. Uh, Okay, I cannot hear you. I don't know if anybody else can. I cannot hear you. I, I hear pinging. I'll try help you out, KJ. He texted me one of his questions was he wanted to know how the, uh, the room responded to the Spencer Lee news. How the what responded? How the room, how the guys. Uh, it's funny how wrestlers are. They just, they're, they're, they're focused on themselves and they love their teammates and okay. And it wasn't like, you know, Hey, Oh, poor us. It was like, okay. And I, I remember when I announced it to the room, the guys were in the Southern scuffle cause it was starting to get out. And so I announced it to the guys that were back and that was our, basically our number ones. And I said, Spencer Lee's opting for season ending surgery. I want to get it to you guys before you hear it. Cause it's getting out. And Spencer, would you like to say anything? And he went like this and everybody was like, oh, okay, okay. And you can ask, you know, Cassiope, he's here. And you can ask Brendan Swafford, he's here. You can ask him the, the, those guys those questions as well. But hey, they're concerned for their teammate, but they also got, I mean, we got the Olympic champion coming to town. So we got, we got enough on our plate, each of us does. And Spencer, he's supportive of all those guys. So we got a player coach right, right now. Excuse me. Two more questions, Tom. Uh, we'll start with Cody and finish with Ross. So go ahead, Cody. Um, Brennan Swafford came out of red shirt this weekend at the scuffle. Um, I was kind of curious, one, what went into that decision? And two, what did you think of his performance down south? We like Brennan Swafford. Um, uh, the The – Taking him out of red shirt's a no-brainer. Um, he he was there was progression issues with toward his degree. He's a very good student. Um, it was just basically you know snags um, and why he wasn't eligible right away. So it's a no-brainer. Um, and what did I think of his performance? I think that the things that we see um, in the practice room that hold him back are the things that hold him back in his matches. Uh, but I can tell you one thing, that he's better in the competition arena than he is in the practice room. So there's a nugget for you. And he's sitting right here in front of me. And that's a little bit of a message that we got to pick it up in the practice room a little bit. But we love your effort. We love your effort out in that competition arena. Um, and he's been nothing but a great addition to our team. And I don't think that decision for him was an easy one, 
you know, to transfer and, and you know, leave a, a comfort zone. But he's gotten better. He fits in very well here. He's very coachable. Um, a lot of guys don't know the sound of his voice. He doesn't say a whole lot, um, but we love him. Right? See, he's giving me a thumbs up right now, so it's reciprocal. Big thanks again to Tom uh, just for making it work today. I say today, this week. Um, ch- chatted with him over Zoom. Um, I know that that was kind of a COVID precautionary thing. So we'll be back in person on Friday um, tomorrow for the Iowa-Minnesota duel. Um, Iowa State wrestles tonight. Um, looking for another opponent to wrestle on Sunday. So we'll see if that happens. And uh, you and I in action on Sunday in Brookings against South Dakota State and Wyoming. So full weekend slate of wrestling back in action. Iowa high schoolers are back in action as well. I believe I will be in Ames at the Jack Mendenhall Invitational. Going to be a lot of really good wrestling there, but also tons of really good Iowa high school wrestling all over the state um, and even around the region, right? Waverly Shell Rock's going up to the Clash. A handful of other Iowa high school teams are going up that way. And then Southeast Polk um, headed to the Cheesehead. They have uh, actually a handful of duels on Thursday night. Um, and then they'll see a ton of top-level national competition on Saturday at the actual tournament. So going to be a full busy weekend of wrestling. Just had a couple of parting thoughts for you guys. I know we're, we're already over an hour here, so I'm trying to uh, wrap up the show as, as quickly as I can. Um, just a couple of takeaways from Tom that I got from that press conference was um, – you know, I, uh, just a couple of quick thoughts regarding, I guess, 174 and 125. Um, Swafford um, seems like he's just kind of the next man up. Um, clearly something's, uh, you know, they're just, we're kind of waiting on when we're going to see Michael Kemmer, right? I know everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people saw, um, you know, tweets flying and, you know, I, over the weekend and, and before then, you know, when are we going to see him? I was only got nine duels left and then they get to the big 10 championships and CA championships. I'm not sure if we'll see him this weekend. Uh, maybe we will, maybe we'll see him for one match. Maybe we'll see him for both. Um, you know, if not, it looks like Swafford seems, it seems like he might be the, the front runner to go at 174. Um, if we don't see Kemmerer, um, so we'll just kind of, you know, I, I'll be at the duels and I'll let you guys know what I know when I know it. Um, you know, and then at 125, um, you know, I know Tom pretty explicitly said that, that Yabara, you know, that we're going with Yabara right now. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see Yabara go Friday, maybe even both days, depending on how well he wrestles on Friday. Also wouldn't shock me at all to see Drake Ayala, uh, you know, see his red shirt get pulled and, and see him be the starter from here on. Wouldn't shock me at all to see them both get one match this weekend. Um, you know, I, I I think there's he's got options there. Tom does, and um, you know maybe he's keeping a final decision close to the vest. But hey, they, they've got options. Um, it, none of those situations would surprise me when it comes to 25, just because of the way Drake has wrestled at the scuffle. Um, just because they they pulled Jesse's red shirt first, so you know maybe they want to give him a final match just to say hey, um, you know prove it. Right. Like kind of, you know, hey, show show us that you can be the guy, show us that you can go generate offense, show us that you can go do some things, because clearly Drake has has showed it over the course of the, the few tournaments that he's been able to wrestle at. Um, so, yeah, it also wouldn't surprise me to say, you know, hey, Drake earned it at the scuffle. Maybe he'll go once or both this weekend. I don't know. I think that's obviously more of a reason for everybody to pay attention. Um 
just kind of see what happens, um, you know, and then we'll, we'll obviously go from there and, and assess the team moving forward. So as with anything, um, once I know, you guys will know and, and we'll move forward from there. So yeah, that's that's all I've got on today's show. There's a lot a lot to take in, right? Um, but I appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, um, on Instagram as well, Cody J. Goodwin. And of course, be sure to also subscribe to the Des Moines Register so that you guys get all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories and videos from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon. guys don't know the sound of his voice he doesn't say a whole lot um, but we love him right see he's giving me a thumbs up right now so it's reciprocal